You're listening to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. This makes my nipples hard. Hey there, Classic Gaming friends. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, Paul and I are going to be talking about children's games. And like, we're going to hit the whole gamut here. We're going to talk about games that we like to play as kids, maybe kids games that we like to play as kids that would still stand up to now. Middle time games where, you know, like humongous entertainment. <laughs> That's like, it's a line that doesn't work, but it's it's staying this time. And then like later kids games right up until like the whole VR arc and like anything to entertain your kids from age one until they're too old for you to care about them in that way anymore. Right? Listen, I can't get over the fact that you forgot my name back there. You're like, <laughs> you're like fucking <laughs> Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't known you that long. <laughs> oh man, okay, no, this is this is good. We're, we're yeah, we're talking about kids' games, not not edutainment, because you know, frankly, neither of us were both. It's it's still like a pu kind of word where it's like I don't want I don't want edutainment, so I'm, I don't even want to. But that's kind of also what we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you if you look back at my alma mater and you throw Donald Duck's Playground up there, now that's a game that Al Lowe was involved in. Of course, he did the Leisure Suit Larry games from 1986. And it was after uh, Sierra had got the rights to being able to use a bunch of the Disney names, like they did Winnie the Pooh and Black Cauldron and uh, a bunch of the other ones. But yeah, essentially, that's what you're there to do. You're there to, on the surface... You're there to make money, to supply your playground so that you have stuff to do, and it's really awesome. But in reality, you're learning logical thinking, matching skills, and change making, planning, perseverance, goal setting, and like all the. And on top of that, it's kind of set up in like a pre quasi, yes, no, not cat games. I said kids' games, (laughs) but in this like pre quasi, like adventure game kind of a 3D environment where you can actually walk around, interact with your environment out of stores so to me that was like that was the quintessential 1980s kids game it was it's crazy to me that that sierra and um and disney got together like it really it really puts in perspective um how important sierra was at the time to like it's just so it's still strange to me to imagine a world where they're like the top manufacturer of or producer of video games or computer games um but thinking about getting a Disney license is, is impressive in any in any decade or era, even then. And but, on a dime, right? It was like a song in a dime, <laughs> literally. <laughs> it was just like the craziest deal and how it all went down, right? And Al was smart. He kind of saw these opportunities. He was. He talks uh, for any for, for any, if you bloody that was man words words are words are hard. Um, our episode with Al, he goes into a lot of that stuff, and he talks to us about like the black cauldron and seeing like original Disney selves and stuff like that. So people listening should check all that out because it's cool. But back to the game. Uh, I don't care much for Minnie and his Mickey and his space jams, but I, I did like uh, Donald duck and his mm-hmm. playground. I don't know why I, I, I can't was... stop wording him weirdly like that, but the, the watermelon situation, was it watermelons? What are you throwing yeah. on the belt? That's really Fruit. satisfying. Yeah, it is. It's, it's watermelons and oranges and lemons. Yeah, like that's that's kind of fun, and also back in the day, like now there's just such an abundance of 
just games, whether it's kids games or just like that, that weird in between where it's like just kind of mobile garbage, but like, you don't know if it's like, there's a lot of like adult mobile. Do I, should I say mobile? Uh, whatever. Now I'm thinking of that Bob Dylan thing with the Memphis design. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> that was some solid information now. Hey, right. It's still fun to, okay. So, but a lot of mobile games right now are basically like a variation of that fruit sorting game. So, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. just saying back in 80, I don't know, four, when did this one come out? doesn't matter. Um, yeah, 86, yeah. It was 86, really? It was, amazingly enough. I thought I was younger when I played it. I was born in 78, so turns out I was like eight or nine by the time I got my hot little hands on what I thought I played when I was younger. Huh. Wow. It's, yeah, because it's it it looks, it looks <laughs> miles behind uh, Space Quest. Mm-hmm. Well, let me see if that's like my version, like my big box sitting in front of me says 86, but it's right. actually 84 when the first edition came out. Cause I know okay. I played it earlier. I played it in 85. So yeah, it actually was released initially in 84. I just have a re-release in my possession. Like this is all my mistake to bring numbers into this. It's never a good time. Numbers are always bad news. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there was another kind oh go ahead well so so we're kind of going like evolution of of kids games right yeah okay because i can't i yeah i guess black cauldron would be the next step in a sense because that that was done without a parser which was kind of a big deal for them especially sierra at the time to to, you Mm -hmm. know to make it like to make it that accessible to kids but then we have mixed up mother goose coming too okay so before we skip ahead those years how are you with uh the Disney Sierra years. Uh, well, I only played uh, the Winnie the Pooh mostly. I did some Wizard of Oz, but I think that was uh, that was like Windmill Entertainment or a different company, and it was like uh, screen for screen kind of text based that way. But you didn't uh, type; you clicked. So that was right oh, okay. in that era. I didn't play like the Deja- Black like, Cauldron, but like <laughs> sort of like Deja Vu or like the Mac Venture games, where it's like a static drawing. Mm-hmm. But it is yeah. Like, okay. I mean, it's a bad way to put it because like, okay, well, I'll leave it be. You yeah, got it. it's uh, <laughs> it had this like I played it in a store, and it was it was 1985, right? And I, I think I ended up playing it with the uh, what is it, the CGA graphics at the store. Oh, cool. Okay, okay, that, that's that's like yeah, magenta. Very simple, but there's a picture on top diagonally, and then you've got the text, and you're like, oh my god, that like it's already all kind of happened, and you're in your house, and everything's all crazy, and what do you do from there? And it was so familiar to the movie, even though I only played it at like I think it was a Tesseract store or something. It always stuck with me as a a really engaging children's game. Right, I think Tesseract is is a Canadian thing. I've I've googled this before. <laughs> yeah, like what everybody has. Yeah, those. just for, I'm like, why did I say that? All right, because for any non Canadians listening, she's talking about like Babbage's or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, computer store. We had Aardvark computers. Aardvark was the best as a kid because you could go in and they would slice open any box and let you play it, and then just reseal it on site. So you're like, is my game new or is it a reseal? Who knows. Oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah, all the pressure's off. Like, just don't don't worry about it. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Honestly, I spent forever in that store. So did my dad. They'd hook up, us be each up with a computer. We could pick any brand new game in the store as long as it was IBM and not Mac. Because, you know, those were super expensive, obviously. Were the games more expensive? I don't remember. They were they were uh, fifty nine ninety five or fifty nine ninety nine for the IBM PC and the Mac was eighty nine ninety five. Yeah. Oh, right. There's a Canadian factor, too. 
Mm-hmm. Like maybe you were just. Gonna, yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a whole thing, but yeah. yeah, I mean, in that era, those, those games were all really great. They made a lot of sense. They weren't like super hold your hand educational. It kind of felt like you were playing a guitar or, I mean, sorry, it kind of felt like you were playing a cartoon. <laughs> Obviously I'm thinking of music, but I mean, outside of those, I was playing games like Sierra championship boxing, the ancient art of war, bubble ghost, those tapper, like I said, with the can can dancers and drinking beer and the whole thing. So those were kids games to me. Cause I, played them as a kid but like those were also games that adults played so. when you say guitar i was like man i really hope that she meant something totally different and and that just came out for no reason and then you're like cartoon <laughs> totally. For absolutely no reason. I'm not even looking at a guitar right now. Is this what dementia starts like? Did it happen on air? I'm sorry. Is that, <laughs> that bad guitar, to say? Wait, talk, what? What? <laughs> what are we talking about? Is this episode about music? No, wait, that was the last podcast we did. Golly, that was so fun. Okay, okay, sorry. So you said tapper. I heard that while I was laughing. Let's yeah. jump but off the, from not tapper. the root beer tapper, the beer tapper with the can-can dancers. And then every time they'd come out, everybody would look at them and all the beer and the food would smash on the ground if you accidentally handed them out at that time. Oh, okay. All right. That sounds kind of fun. Was that the that's one was like it's not Mario, but it's kind of Mario, the bartender? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're a bartender and you you send drinks down when people pop up and then you catch them (laughs) as the dirty dishes as they come back out at you and you go up and down. And then, like I said, if they watch the can-can dancers, you collect everything because everybody neglects their food and it just comes back to you. And if you're not standing in the right place, everything crashes. And then the next scene, you're in in a beach. Okay, and it is, it's not, he doesn't look at all like Mario, but he does look overtly or or just... Jokishly Italian, Mario like he, he does. He yeah, looks like he's uh, he's got the pins like the not the pinstripes but the candy stripe kind of old fashioned. I'm gonna bartend now. You see, he kinda. looks like what Mamma Mia sounds like. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> a good. That's a good. I can taste that representation. That works. <laughs> right. Oh man. Okay. Yeah, but like- to, to lead into like ad- adventure games, that's kind of where these games were taking us. It was preparing us to me for the world of adventure games back in those days. Because games like Torn's Passage didn't come out till a little bit later. Uh, EcoQuest, it didn't come out till a little bit later. They weren't really there for me, at least in the 80s, the way some of those other games were. Not quite yet. And by the time they came out, I was like, those are baby games. I'm playing, you know, Leisure Suit Larry 4, haha. I know there wasn't one. I'm trying to make a joke because I'm cool, but then I want to explain it so people don't think that I don't know that, <laughs> even though I obviously know that, and now I've explained it. So there. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that was awesome. No, see, you got to do both because it's like the joke makes you cool, and then knowing it's not a joke, that's yeah. what's really up. <laughs> And it's the explanations that really drive the crowds wild. Yeah, no, exactly. It always makes jokes better, and it always, always will. But so let's make a <laughs> distinction real quick. There's so be maybe a decent time even to branch off between edutainment and 
kids games because you just you just said something that really resonated with me and I don't want to I don't want to skip past like Reader Rabbit and things like that because we both we both played that I think specifically and stuff in in that realm but so Reader Rabbit's kind of the edutainment where it's just like hey you're gonna learn but we're gonna make it fun but then like Echo Quest for me at the time more felt like like it, it, it uh, like this was marketed for like this is for me like this is for kids. Mm-hmm. Not, not like it didn't feel like a like a trick or a trap or like you know it's just the like, if you have to learn at least it's bloody it's kind of fun and it was more mm-hmm. just like yes like an adventure game that gets me so <laughs> <laughs> so so the, I guess that branches off into two directions one the the latter being like kids games I would say would be like Echo Quest and Willie Beamish is like a whole pot of just weird on the side. So, so like Echo Quest, discover some of the Discovery series stuff, and and then Humongous. But then there's like straight edutainment, like Jumpstart and Reader Rabbit. Jumpstart Toddlers is the best one. So that's the one, and that this is the one that I've always shared. If you have a kid that's not grasping the concept, and like to put it basically, you know the concept where you put your hand on the mouse and you move the mouse on the screen. It moves the little arrow hand and you can click on stuff. And sometimes it's even easier for kids to get the concept of controllers before they get the concept of mice, like left, right, jump. This affects what's happening in the screen, but it's real. It's a real concept getter. And in this game, the original Jumpstart Toddlers, a la 1996, okay? Because they remade this stuff. Don't go there. Don't go there. Go you, back you to want 1996. The dog, not the frog, you know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you want the dog. You go in. It does the song, and uh, you you have a bone. Like your mouse is the bone. So every time you move the mouse, this giant bone moves, and you don't have to click a damn thing, okay? And then you move the bone over, and it goes in the dog's mouth, and the dog will stand in a different place, like a different side of the screen. You don't have to click it. So your kid's like two years old, 18 months old, right? They figure out the concept when they move their hand over while holding this object, the dog will eat a bone and they'll get a visual reward. And then as they increase in skill, you have to click to pick up the bone. You hold the button down to hold the bone. Then you drag the bone into the dog's mouth. And as soon as your kids grasp that concept, you have unlocked a world for them. And I I just like to test how early you can do it. But yeah, about 18 months old to a year, uh, a year and a half two years in and in and around there hmm. we we talked about this this well, we basically we had this conversation when strummer was of age to to be have you know to, to learn this stuff that was why did i make that so hard <laughs> really splitting hers with myself just trying to get that out <laughs> um <laughs> but the point is is like for anybody who doesn't have kids or, or maybe like just did and wondering what to expect in that in, in the nerdy, well, what about a computer mouse situation? It's like, it's so, I don't know. It's, it's when a kid immediately doesn't know what to do, you're just kind of like, fuck, like, how do I, <laughs> how do I explain this? Like, it's, it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting concept. It's a real bottleneck for kids. Like, like really putting together, like, like, not having to, to look, it's almost like, you know, uh, to on a simpler toddler degree level of like playing a guitar or a piano without looking at the strings or keys, or it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you have to be able to just put that aside and like you're, you have to allow your brain to build a little mechanism, a little app that, that runs a program that just moves the mouse and clicks it like without mm-hmm. hardly any thought. And then the rest of you is going to be like just staring at the screen and listening to it and interact. So it's like, it's a lot for a kid. So the whole bone thing is awesome. Sorry, I, I don't think I helped at all. 
No, it's it's true. The toddlers was awesome. The jumpstart preschool was also amazing and really simple to easy to earn rewards. I find that if your kid is like, okay, I got jumpstart toddlers when I was like two, I'm like two and a half, I'm doing jumpstart preschool. I'm like three, three and a half. I want to get into jumpstart kindergarten that the, the gap in knowledge is a little bit stiff. So <laughs> that phrasing is terrible. But what I mean is it's harder and you have to work a lot harder to get the rewards in Jumpstart Kindergarten. So I find that the transition between the two, oh my gosh, nuanced, right? But is not that easy. There's yeah. like almost like they need like a Jumpstart Pre-K, which I think came out in the newer series, but again, nowhere near as good as the initial one. But yeah, the ultimate quintessential game for your kid, if you want them to learn how to play any kind of a kid's game is Jumpstart Toddlers, throw that in their face. They're going to love it. And, and people have asked me so many times, how do you introduce your children? Well, if they're watching you play, that's one thing. And then like you can turn your adventure game into a story like you do it all the time, Paul. Or, like, Is every adventure game you've ever played with your kid entirely age appropriate? No, you're running through like Day of the Tentacle back when he was like three, four years old and you're, mm -hmm. you're doing it all when he was way younger to grasp any kind of a concept, but you turned it into like an enjoyable family experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, it's, it's a nice way of saying manipulation. <laughs> it is all manipulation. We want these kids to want it so bad. It's just, anyways, yeah. Right. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that you know. Uh, yeah, anyway, sorry. There was, um, that was inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a trick like I have the rule with um, my kid he's 12 he wants to get into like you know GTA and all the other stuff that all the kids nowadays are playing and he wants to get into like um, Saints Row and other things so I've said okay well to get into like an RPG like say Dragon's Age or one of those kind of things Elder Scrolls then you can play through one full Sierra game from beginning to end. And you cannot do a cheat like what you learned on one short eyes speedrunning channel with the cheat. You can't do one of those things where you type the word cheat in Space Quest in the game. No, nothing like that. But and then I said, but if you are gonna take that way, you have to do it to all the games. Show me how right. quick you can speed run a whole bunch of them. Like you can't, like you can't cheat me that way. And then I was like, but if you want to get into like GTA and online multiplayer and Overwatch 2 and all the other stuff that the kids want to play, I'm allowed to date myself but then you have to play through a series of two or more games within the sierra genre right so you, yeah but see i, I think you, you're doing it actually like with an interesting approach where it's almost like proving like you know a mature a level of maturity and responsibility and understanding and like it's all just luxury anyway so it's you know what i mean so mm -hmm. it, it, it's plenty of space to play with and it I, is because it's like, if he doesn't care enough to do it, I don't care because I don't want him to play the other games anyways, as much as I want him to play a Sierra game. He's been watching me play them all his life and he's played some. So, yeah. Right. No, it's actually, yeah. It's a lot more reasonable that I, than me because I'm like, I'm not going to withhold my love as a father <laughs> for you unless you play, you know, as long as you play a video adventure game with me, you'll, then you'll get plenty of it. <laughs> it's just, if you want my unconditional love, you'll meet me in ScumBM. No. That's that's a little, obviously you know a little much, but like um, making it making it a thing, I guess for for a quick tip before we move on from that would be like you know how could I how how do I force and condition my child into liking adventure games, right? Because <laughs> you know because it like, didn't work for me. None of my kids really like adventure games. They like classic games. Right. Well, yeah. And honestly, that's yeah. I would take that. Right. I would fold on that. Be like, mm -hmm. okay, I'll, I'll cash out there. But but it's like. Mm -hmm. 
Because you know how it is. They, kids, they can smell it on you if you want it too bad. Mm-hmm. And they, they're just like, ah, mm-hmm. he wants this. I don't know how they know, but they know. Kids know when you when you as a parent just want something. And, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's, you know, it's up, it's up to them how they take it from there. But they know. But the, the point mm-hmm. is, is like, it, yeah, it was like just making, trying to make it like um, it, the same philosophy as like if you want your kid to wear hats, you got to like just start putting hats on them right away. Like really right mm-hmm. away. See, it's just the it's same true. idea. It's just like. The concept of a holiday is how I treated it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he didn't know. I'd be like, yeah, it's just a thing in the family. We play adventure games on, you know, this Thursday of November, as it turns out. I don't know. And <laughs> and, and so we did once and so we did again. And, and it was just like, yeah, to him it's just this weird, why don't you it's guys the ritual. do that too thing? Yeah. Aww, that is so <laughs> cute though. He's like, no, this is a thing we do. Doesn't everybody have adventure game a day? <laughs> <laughs> It happens. We go and we get presents and we play an adventure game and we've been doing it every year. And then the kid finds out when they're like 14 and all their friends are like, no, no, dude, no. Yeah, no, dude. They ask what day it is and it's just, it's it's a vague day in the winter. I know that much. (laughs) I know it's November and January. Yeah. There's hot chocolate involved. Somewhere there's cheese. It's a a real comforting (laughs) ritual. Oh, but you're right. It's, it's it's all a psychological game. They can't know how much you want it. Like we did it with uh, King's Quest. I took Jacob when he was little, like three years old, immediately to where you're in the mansion at King's Quest in the daytime. It converts immediately to the dark time. And then we went through it all together and really stuck the memories of how good that game was in his head super early. And it works. I say to my oldest kid, he's almost bloody 30, right? He's like 27. I'm like, I'll I'll bring up a game nostalgically and he'll know little talking points. Enough of a talking point that he can pass in normal conversation, not that adventure games are brought up in normal conversation. Right. No, that's and it says something for the quality of the games too. Because like with Strummer, he would... It, we used to play that on like an actual like I had a Windows ninety eight like a beige box kind of thing running for a while. So, um, I think I think a lot of that's actually spawned <laughs> from doing a, an episode on on um, um, uh, Blackstone. Mm-hmm. Is that right? It's Blackstone. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it? I think so. Right, Chronicles. Yeah. Very cool. So yeah. Anyway, I think I, <laughs> I think I set that whole thing up just because that you know it was one of those impossible. An episode we're going to do one day is going to be that era, the, the unemulatable mm-hmm. era. Um, oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, put it together because that's – we'd play Jumpstart. Oh, and Jumpstart was like the only game I ever found that I had the least bit of interest in that I ever found in a thrift store. And I used to go to thrift stores a lot, especially mm-hmm. like pre-COVID. Uh, yeah, Strummer and I would go all the time. And, and the only thing I mm-hmm. ever found was, was Jumpstart. And I was like, ah, oh, I had this when I was a kid, so we'll play it. But anyway, my point, by, back full circle, miraculously, if we're going to make it, folks, is <laughs> that Strummer would request to play the hide-and-seek game, and, the, and the, the you would, um, I don't know if you would make pizzas or look for letters in the kitchen. One of those. And, and one of the Jumpstart ones, because it was a great mm-hmm. one. I don't remember. I think it was the first grade one. But um, he would request to play that, like, you know, when he had the choice of playing that or Roblox. Like, he still, like, had a, 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 a palette for it. Like, I'm in the mood for that. So, yeah. Oh, oh, Fisher-Price learning in Toyland was amazing. There's, like, this little gopher guy, and it's right in that kind of 96-ish time period. And he comes up, and he, you you build tools with him, and um, you get to, like, ice cream. 
Oh yeah. Like it's a whole, it is a great right. freaking game. There's playthroughs on YouTube. It's literally called Fisher Price Learning in Toyland. And I can still hear the game playing in my head. Oh, and in that same time period too, there was um, Howie Mandel's game too. Um, wait, Toonland. That's it. Toonland with Howie Mandel. And it's a singing, like there's, when you click on stuff, things happen and there will be songs like the old gray mare. There will be and songs. There will be songs. And then there's, there's Howie played by Howie Mandel. And he's like, hi, I'm little Howie. And he guides you through and you're in the barn and meh. And you know, things will make noises when you click on them. Oh my gosh. I was just, I was so fond of this game. And then you could go to grandmother's house and anyways, totally, totally highly recommended in that sort of late nineties era. There was like this golden age and it went like even the, Sesame Street games were really good and the the Muppet Show games were also really good for learning without making it feel like you were totally learning like Elmo learning shapes with right. Elmo oh kids loved that stuff it was just such a beautiful time and and it was right before kind of humongous entertainment came in because they came in I think Pajama Sam first started out right in 96 and to me too like graphically really impressive game like Ron Gilbert that was his thing Dave Grossman the two of them together like and like you wouldn't know going back in that time I had no idea my kid was playing games made by the Monkey Island people I was just like right. oh this is great this is a kid's game and, and he did the Freddy the fish and he did the spy fox and he did the the spy fox is harder right those are the trickier ones That's like and then the pajama level. Sam's class yeah, put, totally yeah it'd be like Sam and putt putt and yeah, um putt 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 put, travels through time sure, he, never got, he never got hooked on putt putt and and oh, spy fox, they're so good at the time, we got to. It's funny because I just downloaded all of the humongous games on his computer the other day, like just kind of oh, randomly. Yeah. I was so like, I was waiting for something kind of situation, idle time. And I was like, I'll just fill his computer with this so that he'll play it. And, and anyway, at the time, so this was like a year ago. Spy Fox was too far ahead, but he he mm -hmm. and he never connected with Pup Pup, which is funny because like I feel that way about mm -hmm. cars, like the movies, like any. I don't know. I don't. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get attached to to the like them in fiction. But but we mm -hmm. love Freddy Fish too, playing that together. And mm -hmm. sorry, so I just got excited. But to your point, sorry, head back to the Ron Gilbert thing because that's really interesting. How little people, how few people, who literally played both Monkey Island and Humongous games as like a kid and loved them, like still mm -hmm. find it news to hear that Ron Gilbert did Humongous. It's a shame. Right, and it's like it's kind of like being a fan of Gem and not knowing who was involved and right. then not knowing that the same person was involved, you know, Christy Marks with the, the conquest and longbow series and stuff. I didn't have a clue as a kid, but you know why there was no branding in gem. There's no branding in LucasArts. There's no branding in humongous, unless you're reading the small print as to who did what you don't freaking know. You know, it's a game, you know who the game's about, you know, the character, you know, the situation you play the game. Unlike with Sierra where you're like, you know, the game, you know, who made it and everybody has a personality. So it's, it's an entirely different way of looking at uh, production. Right, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, treated. I think Ken Williams had said he was like emulating authors in a sense. Like, well, that's what they do when they sell books. They put the author's name, you know, oftentimes bigger than the title of the book. Welcome back. We just cut a giant segment of nonsense out. <laughs> <That's> not <laughs> Absolutely bad. not necessary. But that's we were. I was just, as I said, expounding on the fact that. The, the back of the box is where Sierra led us. It gave us an idea and, and they didn't do it back in their early days. Like I'm looking at the back of Donald Duck's playground and there is nothing about Allo or anybody but else see, but that's, that's Disney made it. too though. Disney might have that real estate, right? Like I, yeah. would, I would almost exclude just to be a pedantic dick about it. <laughs> <laughs> I would maybe exclude the Disney ones because you never know like contractually and stuff like. 
Oh, yeah, the scene with the Sierra boxing. You don't know who's made it. It was it was specifically, it looks like, in Disney's line of adventure games that they even started pointing that out, like it would seem. Yeah, no, I agree. Mm-hmm. Although right. Sierra Championship Boxing is a pretty old game. I brought it out as a children's game because it's 1984, and I tell you what, I spent a lot of time as a child playing that game. I love that game. Oh, and Karateka. I know it's not a children's game, but I played it. They'll love it. Kid loves it. It's a good game. You can get it as an app. They're also remaking it right now. So that's cool. Jordan Mercer or Mencher Merchner. Jordan, Jordan Mencher. <laughs> he's not that Jewish, but yeah, he's he's great. I have his books, even if I can't pronounce his name. He's just he's he's a one hell of a talent. That might be why the Those name's are... tricky. Really good at researching that guy is. But anyways, yeah. So so from the humongous entertainment, which are so fun, the you are what you eat from your head to your feet. Uh, no need to, what was it? No need to run when it's dark outside. I don't know. They're all adorable. Yeah, don't they rhyme, be, don't but... be a bitch. It's just a little <laughs> lightning. <laughs> yeah. But in that same era, the Tonka games came out and blew everybody out of the water. And it was like, there was my Nobody's favorite never one. said that sentence before. <laughs> I had boys. Okay. Now there was, there was a fire rescue one and that was fine. That came in like cereal boxes and stuff. But the one that I'm thinking about had like a freaking attachment and you'd belt mm. it onto your keyboard and it had a little saw and it had a hammer that you pounded on a nail and it had like all the little tools and it would be like, got a hammer and a nail. We're going to build a boat that sails. Okay. So it's got this whole catchy tune and you literally, as you use the tools, it pushes the keys on the keyboard and you build the stuff in the game with the sound effects. You're like, oh man, this guy can't get across the bridge. You need to help him. My kid played the shit out of that game. Yeah, this is so strange because it just reminded me that I, I woke up today, like <clears throat> it, it came into consciousness with this, this <laughs> thought of Redbeard's Pirate Quest and how I, mm -hmm. I, and I, my actual honest thought was, why the fuck did you buy that on eBay two years ago for $128? I don't know. I just <laughs> woke up thinking about that. I'm like, that was a weird decision that you made to buy that. And then, and then right away, I'm like, well, where is it? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. But anyway, it's just was, it, it ties in, I promise, what you're saying about um, the Tonka game, which I think was like Workshop maybe, right? Mm -hmm. I, I Tonka's Workshop. Yeah, because yours is – that's an interactive game too. I've seen it. My kid wanted that one, right? It has like that whole pirate ship thing, doesn't it? Right, it was, exactly. It, yeah, it's mm -hmm. right. See what I'm saying? Where it comes with like its own mm – -hmm. I guess you'd say per peripherals? Per yeah. <laughs> right? It's it just it reads off the CD. The and it's like, it was, like a mouse was a peripheral. I can't peripheral. Mm -hmm. peripher it was a peripheral with a ball. It had a ball. It was a peripheral ball. <laughs> but yeah, same same idea where it's like you, you the things you move. Oh, that's right. It didn't work. Yeah, but the one I got and it was like new in the box, and I just couldn't get it to work. Like I couldn't get the what I was doing on the ship. I mean, what my mm. son was doing on the ship. To yeah, work. right. It was our kids playing these. Yeah, games. see, <laughs> get off my back. See? It was ah. sorry. <laughs> You don't want to use your good keyboard for the sawing and stuff. When any one of these that interacts with the keyboard, like these kids are pounding on it. You take a six-year-old kid, a five-year-old kid, and you're like, oh, build a thing. They're not going to be like tap, 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 tap. Right. <laughs> They're going to be like, bang, bang. This is great game, mom. <laughs> Nuance comes later. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> But it was it was a good era, I tell you, because my, I had my kid in '96, so he literally just these games grew up with him all the way through. Right, yeah, it really was a good time for for kids because it's it's not so obvious nowadays where, where to find no. good kid 
material to play. Like it's 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 all just very messy out there. It's fast. It, Ooh, Toka Boca. That was it. In that same age range, if you're like, well, what do I do when we're trying to go out and my kid keeps on talking to me? Don't worry. You don't actually have to parent. I tell you, go on to like your Play Store and buy. Yeah, yeah, you heard me. Put some money into it. Buy the apps of the Toka Boca company because there's no ads. The kids can't accidentally exit the games on the early ones. It sets it all to you so that only you know how to do it. And then when they're trapped in the world of this game, they can play make-believe and do all these other, like just really cool. Like you can see there's no ulterior motive. You're literally playing dress up, driving around a car, making your own little city and universe. It's, it's so funny. And they've got like, they will amuse your kids from like the age two to seven. Right, right. No guarantees. All rights reserved. Uh, must be eighteen years old. <laughs> yeah, all of those. But yeah, it's on the like app side of things. Sorry, it's like, real quick. It's like a living color forms, right? It's like, yeah, you get the feeling like slapping like these stickers, a... not stickers, but you know, the, yeah, the like creation the part people. of it too. Right. Yeah, very very satisfying for the kids. I mean, obviously, yeah, all of this too. Very seriously. <laughs> um, let's go to let's go to Sierra Adventure series. I mean Discovery <laughs> series. Man, <laughs> messed that up. Um, you mean like EcoQuest? Okay, yeah. Let's just specifically go right to that because um, those games are great. And I was telling Adam before we, you know, made this like part of the stuff. it's like i'm not sure if we'll ever really get to an episode on these just because i've got so much more that i'd rather and play right now than that series (laughs) as great as it is so this might be its shining moment so i just want to say that that it's great i kind of don't i kind of okay i kind of more lost my note oh okay here's something cool so this game was made by jane jensen and gano haini i don't hain probably just hain gano or gano hain do it if it's an english name traditionally with only one consonant between the two vowels it would make the a long actually i did not realize that uh the search for cetus i always want to call it the search for cletus every time i see it but i didn't realize that it was done in in combination with cocktail vision i don't know really that's what wikipedia is telling me right now man i don't know Ah, you know what? That it was, was actually... a publisher, not a developer, but as a publisher with Sierra Online. That box is in is in my reach. I'm going for. Uh, I don't really want you to. Look... It looks very spiderwebby down there. This is. A... <laughs> <laughs> I've got like eight boxes piled around me right now. You could at least grab two more. Uh, all right, I'm going back in. It is right here. <clears throat> <laughs> Sound effects. <laughs> <gasps> okay. All right. Oh, if you subscribe to Patreon and we get enough of them, we'll do a 10-minute video of Paul making reaching noises just for you. So you just remember to email us to request it specifically. Paul reaching for shit, volume three. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got the box. I don't remember why. Oh, we're looking at this cocktail situation. Yeah. So, do I have both of them right here? Because I, I don't see this. Yeah, no. I don't see the small one. Sorry, this is bad entertainment. Mm-hmm. I just, I okay, because I do, I have, I have both versions of that box, but but in front of me for, for continuity is just the Discovery Series box, and it says mm-hmm. nothing of the sort. No cocktail no. nonsense. 
But I wonder if it would be the other one that did. Yeah. I don't know. I guess we won't research it while we're talking to I, people. I could reach it. it I would could be make rude. a reach for it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you liked the games is what you're saying. Oh, yeah, exactly. I don't think I feel like talking about them anymore, but... <laughs> It was like early Wikipedia, kind of, right? I mean, you're but learning about things. It's, they're it's underrated. And I'm hoping maybe. Okay, here's a fun fact, though. I will say this. So, this game was made by. Um, let's just go with Gano Hain for pronunciation. I mean, that's definitely who mm-hmm. it is. I meant pronunciation. And Gene Jensen. But a, 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 mm-hmm. a cool fact is that this is the first computer game in history that was the product of an all female design team. Mm-hmm. So. There's a little history for you. Take it home with you. Well, it was kind of a bit of a groundbreaker in its day because there was a lot of like those, you know, here's a question, answer the question, next, which was like Rita Roberts style, right? So this is almost like the, what is the word, antithesis, the the opposite of the the medication to the rote learning. Right. The antidote, if you will. It was. (laughs) (laughs) We really nailed that home with several, too many, too many different options. (laughs) It, it really was this game okay it was really cool because it came out at the perfect timing with the whole like you know we are the world and the, the earth day mm-hmm. became a thing i think in 1990 and it, it was about it, rainforests and fairies and shit so <clears throat> right fern gully right that was a good movie mm-hmm. that's um, the one yeah the quick cool things about echo quest is that <laughs> <laughs> It's not your fault, audience. Yeah, here's some quick, cool things, kids. (laughs) All right, some neat things about Echo Quest is that it had a mini game, and and so like Mm -hmm. they introduced the recycling icon, let's say, to the to the bar and and to the the circulation, literally, of icons, and and so you like at at any point you could you could do like a little um, uh, hidden object game, kind of built into it in a sense, mm-hmm. right? We had to find these hidden objects and recycle them for bonus points. So I think when you're like gearing things at kids, that was like an early win for like the ADHD kid, like myself, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. here's even more to do for no reason. Like, yes, like collecting the dust specks in Zimbabwe Park. Like, yeah, so, you know, it really just really doubles down, really it, it ensures all of your attention. So that was kind well, of funny. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying the whole game, it was, it was kind of meticulous in that way. Like I I remember hearing a story, I was listening to some podcast a while ago and they said that they wanted to get some information from this doctor about bats. And they're like, oh, send us the information you have. And the guy ends up sending them like thousands and thousands and thousands. I'm talking like five to 6,000 slides of bats for them to use in reference to the game. They're like, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll comb through off of this and, and make something that looks slightly less scary than actual real bats. <laughs> was that our what podcast? Was that? Ugh, I, Ugh. You're asking me for a source here. That's ridiculous. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. I was just looking, I thought, I thought there was like a there was a dead end in Echo Quest. I'm almost positive that there is, but but a Google search says absolutely not. No, that I'm wrong. But I, I swear that there was a dead end with a totem pole, the, the hmm. stone statue totem pole, and, and it was completely, completely accidental uh, on the programming side. See, mm-hmm. yeah, because I think I read this. I know too many weird details. <laughs> why would I know? <laughs> why would I know odd facts? You know, it's, I think I read it in Sean Mills' book, The Sierra Adventure, but. 
but I just always found that deeply funny that the, the kids game could have a frustration like like you're just you're never right like the child is never right <laughs> no matter what they do and them just like fucking tanking their self esteem over this puzzle so I don't know I'm gonna have to confirm that or, or if anybody listening knows maybe could, could assure me I'm not insane and that's the thing that'd be awesome because Google's gaslighting me pretty hard on it um <laughs> But yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those games that's like it's got some weird things going on. Oh, you know what? Another thing about that game, if you're thinking about playing it, my opinion is that it holds up for adults extremely well because Jane Jensen just knows what she's doing. Like she's really good mm-hmm. at this. And and it and Echo Quest is just like the press release I read from it, um <clears throat> pardon me, from the digital antiquarian. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jimmy Myers said it's it, it's so so well written, but but he was saying that um, I really threw myself <laughs> off. Okay, right. Jane Jensen was saying that it's you know not just fun for kids. She was just giving one of those speeches, basically like, hey, this game's actually really fun. Like we we, we took care to make sure that everybody would like this game, and I, I think it's a hundred percent that's the case. That it's a really fun, not just for kids game, <clears throat> and don't ever play it with a talkie if you're an adult without a kid around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The talkie's horrifying. No, the talkie's the talkie turns it into a kid's experience. Mm-hmm. It, it ruins it. It just it makes it so overtly childish that that as a grown person you start to just feel weird playing it alone. Or it's just <laughs> <laughs> I've never played the talkie version. I only pl- I was warned though. I think I was warned in advance. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the rule. If you're gonna play and play that. And then Gene Jensen was not involved in Secrets of the Rainforest, the, the sequel. Which I really like, and I played it again recently, like two years ago ish, um, maybe less, and and play both of them, and I, I they both stand up really really well. Like they they the rainforest one to me in my recent memory was just as good, but from reading the reviews, Jane Jensen wasn't involved, and so like it's apparently notably more simple, and mm-hmm. and then there the the. the there's like this bonkers part in the middle that doesn't make sense, but sometimes games did that, so I didn't really. Anyway, the point is, the second one's arguably weaker, but I I think ultimately they're both almost the same and, and good and worth playing. Well, the second one's for ages ten and up, and I would say the first one you could almost do like eight and up in a way. Yeah, it's it would, and it's interesting because I think so. Gano did or Gano did the the. <laughs> you can do this. Thank you. I believe in you. <laughs> did the uh, did the second one alone, and uh, <laughs> she, <laughs> she said that it was um, that she wanted that there's some confusion, and she wanted to to make it more kind of clear. So I think the game mm-hmm. got critiqued by adults as not being as <clears throat> all ages and complex, but she, she mm-hmm. had like a, a somewhat good reason of like the first one was over some kid's head. So we want to dumb it down. But I think mm-hmm. that you're right though. Like, cause my recollection that the first one did feel easier. Mm-hmm. So it was more childlike whimsy. The second mm-hmm. one felt like they were really trying to hit on, I don't know, like they were all trying to hit on specifics, but this is more like you're, you're like the extinction police, right? Right. I guess you're trying to stop remote native flora. So they're trying to teach you like the flowers and, and all these other, like they go into a different kind of less adventure detail. Right. And it's interesting because the first one was, was literally more organic because, because um, Gano who did the story, because <laughs> mm-hmm. Gano who did the story um, 
was inspired to make Echo Quest. Like when when she was in Sierra pitching, and it was her chance to literally pitch the game that she would make. It, the Echo Quest was based off of her uh, and bringing kids to an ocean and it being covered in trash, and her being like, "Oh man, just like ruined all these kids' first experience, <laughs> See, seeing seeing the wonders of the world and stuff." So so it was like organically came into it. And you're right; the second one can feel a little more heavy handed as far as like saving the planet. But I will mm-hmm. say, on a positive note, is that they both do a great job of. Like, sure, it's, you can't cover, like, they kind of, they assume everybody's a good person as opposed to, like, mm-hmm. in the real world, there's a lot more, like, malevolence. People just don't care. Um, they can be the problem. But but for the most part, Sierra is, like, their message, I think, in those games is more like, if we all just pay attention and try a little, everything mm-hmm. will be cool. And it's like, that's, well, that that's, actually, that's not very naive, right? That's a pretty damn good, yeah. like, maybe we should be starting that simple, <laughs> spelling it out, or it's like, hey. Just, you know, you do you do a good job yourself <laughs> and everything will fall into place. Well, that was their whole intent with that. They did the Discoverers Club where you could sign up and you were supposed to get like information about rainforests and things. Right. And then they had this whole like guarantee. And I mean, I know every Sierra Games kind of had a guarantee, but it was like this really like vocal, hey, we believe these games are going to educate, educate and entertain your children. And if for any reason you're dissatisfied, like we will give you your money back. So they were really like community focused in that way at this time. Like, yeah, you, you and only you can make this happen. And if you don't like it that's you you know that's our problem and we'll, we'll cope with it for you so it was it was a whole thing right yeah well put really well put okay i feel good i feel like i got echo quest i'll say too that it connected with me too because i liked how ironically coming from the first all-female design team was 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 a story about a boy and, and just his dad and mm-hmm. and and it was just yeah i had a, a great relationship with my dad and, and he was a scuba diver so like there was there's a lot of like instant connections there too where it's just like oh it's normal to like hang out with with your dad, who's a scuba diver, and get into the mischief. So that was mm-hmm. cool. Okay, so on Discovery Series two, because I, I don't, we're not going to go into like the mostly just the ones we haven't played, which is all the the. I did play Slater and whatever go to camp. Charlie, I think, mm-hmm. was Strummer. He really liked it. Actually, Strummer played that game like three times. Did you guys play that one, Slater? Yeah, no, I never even heard of it. Charlie, go to camp. I think it's called Go Slater. It's like super nineties, like McGruff. Uh, not McGruff. I think I've seen the cover of it before, yeah. Is it Slater and Charlie? That's me typing. Well, we'll all get through this one together. Yeah, Slater and Charlie go camping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's got a very 90s, 90s vibe to it. Uh, speaking of like Memphis design from last episode. And speaking of that too, <laughs> a somewhat smooth transition into Pepper uh, and her time experiment. I don't forget what it's called real quick. Pepper's mm-hmm. Adventures in Time. I haven't right. played it yet, and I just... Going through doing research for this episode on the Discovery series made me so excited to play it because it's I didn't I didn't realize that this one's done by um I just want to get this right right yeah so this was done by by Gino Hain um from Echo Quest Jane Jensen mm-hmm. Gabriel and I obviously um Lorelai Shannon um mm-hmm. right King's Quest and Fantastic Two and then Josh Mandel right so yeah. that's like quite a quite a collaboration right there. It really is. And it is it's such a pretty game, too. It really is. It has a almost like a paper doll quality, which the, it's it's a style that ended up continuing on in some of the later games. And they were just kind of touching into it. it's like not quite cartoon. It's right. That's a great way to put it, though. There is something like almost surreal about some of it, the way it's like, yeah, it's like mm-hmm. it, it almost looks like these just impressionist paintings. And then 
but it's also like very leisure, not Leisure Suit Larry Five. Like the character design actually is quite Leisure Suit Larry Five. It's it's like how Sierra is when they try to be more loose and bendy like Lucas was. Mm-hmm. You know, like when they're trying to do a little Day of the Tentacle, this is usually mm-hmm. more or less what they look like. But yeah, I, I definitely need to give that one a try. It's an interesting looking game. Right, and, and now that I, I've, I've played the Gabriel Knight games and just became like borderline obsessed with the way Jane writes her stories, knowing mm-hmm. that she's involved in this this like time hopping thing, with the, that's, once again, it sounds like it's going to blend history with fiction, albeit maybe mm-hmm. for more of a children's heavier-handed sort of way. I'm still really curious to see how she does that again, because it's always mm-hmm. really fun with her stuff where you're just like, wow. What if this yeah, is maybe real? we'll have to give that one a go, eh? I think right. we might have to. Yeah. I was just cluing in. Hey, who knew this? Okay, Humongous Entertainment oh. was Ron Gilbert. Oh, my Are God. You okay? Yep, no, jump scare for my child. Oh, wow. okay. I gave him <laughs> life. That. That's, that's we'll fantastic. That. Jesus, that was so creepy, man. He's got his hair in his face like the ring. Nice. Person, not a ring. Okay, sorry, we're good. So this is something that I didn't know. Uh, So remember how we were talking, obviously you remember you were here, but we were talking about a humongous entertainment and it was Ron Gilbert and Dave Grossman and they made these games together starting back in 96. Well, this game, Olo, Olo in the Sunny Valley Fair came out in 2002 and my kids, we got it from the library. I'd never heard of it. You're like this adorable little bouncing ball and it's kind of in this claymation style world. And it's done by Hullaby Entertainment and Plaid Banana Entertainment, but you wouldn't know it at the time, but it was actually written by Dave Grossman. So he did the writing in this game. You wouldn't even know it, but it was such a charming little adorable game. And it was so simple. And it was also broken up into days, kind of like Phantom Fellows, each day represented by a dot. And you could go to any day, right? Back and forth and around and had all these really cool concepts. But I'm literally just discovering that that was Dave Grossman. God, that guy's so talented. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Like it's yeah, we kind of as we touched on earlier, Gilbert, you got to like unearth the the Lucas guys as far as like where they where they went when you know like the damn burst mm-hmm. kind of spread out everywhere. Like, where'd y'all go? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, Making kids games, it turns out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, really, I, really good engaging kids games. So good that I literally copied it. I'm gonna I'm gonna share a picture with you anyways. But I had the disc to disc. I could do that. I was like, oh yeah, library game, huh? <laughs> Dude, they were really good. And I feel like almost like a, a humongous deserves more than than we've given it. But just okay, mm-hmm. real quick on humongous. What um, just one story on it. Any anything you mm-hmm. want. Any whether it's yeah, give me a humongous story. Of, you know whether it's playing one of the games or what your the favorite one is or recommending a humongous game for for a parent and kids to play together. Like yeah. Yeah. No need to hide when it's dark outside is the one you want to go to yep. pretty early because because it is so it starts so naturally. Like there's a thunder and lightning storm, the kid gets scared and he wants to escape. He ends up grabbing his cape. Boom, you're off in like a different land. And all of a sudden you don't have to worry about your own problems because you've got all these other people's problems to deal with. And and throughout that whole adventure, he kind of learns that he doesn't need to be afraid. And it's, it's charming, but not in any way is it like, oh, I'm gonna teach you something and put it in your face. Like all of the games in that series are literally like, this is a fun adventure game for kids yeah i think i think with the the reason they get it so right is because they don't try to teach kids they try to teach kids how how to think not what to think Mm -hmm. 
right? That that yeah. kind of chestnut, right? So and they and they do a really good job of that. Where it's and that's really where adventure games are in such a unique and a strong position to be in to influence kids in a positive way because it's like it's mm-hmm. a proper adventure game teaches you how to think. You know, like mm-hmm. no other better way to put it, really. So like presenting, and this is I, I guess why I, I got pretty heavy handed with with having my son play adventure games in part why. I mean, the other part mm-hmm. is very much the if you like the sport, you want your kid on your lap when you watch the said sport sort of thing. It's like, of course, I want to share stuff I love with him too. But, but it was also like, man, this is so beneficial though, because it's like that's that's what I want for him the most is is to know how to think and not not what to think and therefore to think for himself. And yeah, so these games are really good for that. And I'll just throw in in the, the ring. I'm trying to figure out exactly what Freddie Fish one it is. Because first of all, I, I agree the best humongous game is to start anyway, or like yeah, to experience. Let's say would be exactly um, no need to hide because that's that's what mm, we started mm-hmm. on and it worked. <laughs> I like that one. No need to hide when it's dark outside. Those are adorable. And then the, there's ah man, I just you are what you eat from your head to your feet. That's another good one. Right. It, it might be the stolen conch shell, or is it this one? There's one with a whirlpool in it. Yeah, the Freddy Fish, there was a stolen conch shell it's one. The, it's Haunted Schoolhouse, I think. See, oh, my, okay. my son's always been creepy and like scary stuff. So See, I like that. the putt. You didn't do putt. We like putt-putt. It was like the putt-putt travels through time. Yeah, it's like very nice. classic in, the, in going through like a diner yeah, kind of thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's it right it totally has that feel even though it's a car the little car extensions and stuff it was really just age appropriate again do your freddy fish and then do the putt putt next do your pajama sam next if you're just going on the order again if your kid can't do spy fox you might not be able to either like you ever heard of the show are you smarter than a sixth grader honestly you probably aren't it does get hard and there's like a little bit more math and stuff like that involved later on i'm not trying to say that our audience isn't smarter than us hopefully you are i'm just you know at my level hey you know what else is a good game that has a little bit of math that is actually fun is uh the m&m game and it it came out i think in the early 2000s It was really ugly 3D and you're driving. It's a racing game. And every time you get to like checkpoints, you had to do math and there's different skill levels. Like initially it's like eight plus two, and then it's like two digit plus two digit. And then you're going into multiplication. The further Mm -hmm. you get into the game, the harder the math gets. And I tell you, my boys were tricked. They loved it. It doesn't sound like the math is buried well enough into that for me. It's It's, it's very mathy. (laughs) It's so mathy, but anybody who's played this game will be like, yeah, yeah, no, totally. It was a good racing game. I got really good at it. You just have to turn off the math element. Right, but you can't because you need that to progress. So it's it's a problem there. It's a learning. You got to do a learning. Yeah, you got to do a learning. But that really hits it up into like the early 2000s for kids games and then i don't know was there a dead zone in kids games or like okay i know there's minecraft and roblox and that's all newer stuff my kid really liked uh, heroes of might and magic as an app and then he started playing heroes of might and magic the game when he was about three but he couldn't read yet but like that's not a kid's game okay right for we need measurement so mm-hmm. <laughs> you know for a pair of measurements that is yeah uh, i i guess i would say not not kids games that are good with kids that I've had experience with anyway, right? So it just normal mm-hmm. adventure games that kids like. There we go. That's a cohesive mm-hmm. sentence there. Would be Day of the Tentacle is really good because it's really bright mm-hmm. and colorful and cartoony and bendy and fun and unexpected, which keeps kids mm-hmm. involved really well, right? And 
uh, Sam and Max would be in that same kind of zone, I guess. Yeah, we also played Sam and Max together. Um, we played Full Throttle together, which is weird that I mm-hmm. I, I know I picked it because it was the remaster when he really liked pushing the buttons back and forth. But yeah, but I mean, he stuck yeah. through that too. That one almost doesn't sound like a, a purposeful suggestion just because it's like, oh, Full Throttle. But I just, yeah, don't start there. But he liked that a lot. Um, Willie Beamish really, really likes mm-hmm. that a lot. Um, and then that's fun for everybody. It's super weird. And mm-hmm. God, what else? The Space Quest games, uh, specifically four and five, and mm-hmm. oh, and the mixed up Mother Goose. We never talked about that. Did you play that as a kid? No, I was. By the time it came out, I was out of that era of games, and then none of my kids were born yet, so I just I missed that. Right. Okay. I did play it as a kid, but yeah, I don't know. I just have like a few basic memories of like. I remember it feeling amazing that my name was on the screen. That I could, mm-hmm. and, and that there was like you know a kid that looked enough like me to mm-hmm. be like I'm in the game. Aww. Um, so that, yeah, I, I do remember that as like a yeah, a, a legit memory. I was going to say, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, but it is it says, it says something, right? Because memories are made with emotion, so it's like it definitely hit me at the time. I just mm-hmm. I just don't really remember much else of the game as a kid, right? It was just kind of that one element of it. And then, yeah, that's all I could say about that. That game was made too many times. There's like six versions of Mother Goose. It's ridiculous. I'm, mm-hmm. I'd be curious. I don't think I really have it in me, and Strummer's too old now. But well, maybe not. Actually, yeah, that's maybe naive of me to say. But be curious to try maybe fair, mixed up fairy tales because because Corey did that, didn't he? Corey Cole. Mm-hmm. Or, I think or so. Rory or both of them. I think he was involved in it. Uh, okay. Who wants to hear me reach again? Hold on. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. This one's a little closer. You can do it. <coughs> That one made me dry heave. All right. I'm back with mixed up fairy tales and it doesn't seem to say, but it's hmm. like this, it, this is the discovery box one. Do I have the other one out here too? God, there's so many versions of everything. Hmm. I actually have the Lying other one in this in reason. <laughs> yeah, but not here. Right. Cause the discovery ones don't say they're not as, you know, they're all uniform with their pinstripes with their pinstripes. Mm-hmm. All right, bail. There's nothing on, on this box, so I don't know which who who done it. We'll keep mm-hmm. it a mystery. It's fun to have mysteries. Mysteries are fun. All right, is there anything you want to wrap up with? No, just that you know, classic games again. Heroes of Might and Magic three. Heroes of Might and Magic two. If you want to start with it, Heroes of Might and Magic one. If you want to introduce a concept, all of those are great for kids because they like it. They can kill stuff. It's exciting, but there's no swearing. It's not super bloody. You can play it as a family, kill all the AIs first in hot seat, and then kill all your family next in a gigantic wow. royal rumble. And it is like, pitch. fine, <laughs> argue with your family or murder them and murder everybody they love. And and that's really the joy <laughs> of bringing kids into this world. But outside of that, you know what, there's still a lot out there for kids to play uh, in even in VR, right? Y- y'all are up on the VR stuff, Paul. Oh, yeah. We like to get down with that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you, you get down with the V and the R and then, you know, there's there's kids games in that. Like there's you and your kid turn into monkeys and jump around on buildings and do, I mean, that that's modern gaming for kids, right? Isn't it? Yeah, no, we've thrown shit at each other. It's, it's, it's really, mm-hmm. it's a wholesome bonding experience, fun for the whole family. Monkey see, monkey do do. That's what it's called. Well, mostly Gorilla Tag. But if anybody listens, like, wait, hold on. I play Gorilla Tag because everybody has a VR probably has. They're like, I ain't never thrown shit in that game. Well. Monkey see, monkey doo doo. It's got cool, cartoony, <laughs> black outlines on everything. It's trippy. 
<laughs> yeah, VR is awesome so, with, with kids because it keeps them in shape too. Like, like Strummer just like I, it's st- like a, just a full workout playing Gorilla Tag for an hour. It's intense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Video games aren't exactly the passive activity they once were. But yeah, I mean, the, the point is there's games. They love it. I, I have people that say, oh, Anna, your, your kids play a lot of computer games. You know, have them come over to our place and we'll watch Disney movies instead. And I'm like, hey, kid, do you want to go watch Disney movies at your friend's place? Or do you want to, like, have your friend come over and play Stardew Valley with you at home? Which he still plays, by the way. And he's just like, clear winner. I don't want to passively watch something when I could be actively creating something. Both of them involve a screen. Right. Yeah. You, I mean, I think it's, a, I, I'm extremely biased, but yeah, I think it's, if you're going to be staring at a screen, you should be interacting with it as, as far as mm-hmm. like, uh, if you want like room for intellectual growth, like it's, there's at least potential, right. If you can mm-hmm. interact with it of any, any sort of interaction, even because it could just be as a basic, you know, uh, motor skill or, or enhancement of one that could be beneficial, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's, I would definitely, and, but I know at the same time, like your kid sometimes just stops and has to like wash rocks for six hours. So it's, it's balance. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you know what though? That's the thing. It's if we're leaving him to his own devices, is he going to go in his room and create something with his hands or is he going to play his computer? Well, he's probably going to play his computer and create something digitally, but it, yeah, at the same time, we keep him so busy that he is so desperate to get to the computer that like, I don't even care. Like we have this kid's been doing manual labor all bloody day, right? It's like fine. I'd want I want to run to my computer too. I'm not running and doing macrame right now. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But you know, you also <laughs> you also bring up a great point with with the side of of the interaction because it is instead of creating with our hands, which yeah, like we were maybe even the the the, the last of the generations to, to somewhat care about that. <laughs> maybe alarmingly <laughs> so. <laughs> when was last time you wrote a word down on a piece of paper? I asked him the other day. He just laughed at me. Like, yeah. why would I do that? <laughs> right. I, just, I had to do that a few weeks ago. And like, I stopped and just thought, I'm like, how, <laughs> how did I do this? <laughs> this is a thing people, people like do. A weird feeling. I'm like, I, I, I made a mental note to self, like, man, you should just, just, just handwrite something, you know, this week. So you don't forget how to do it. But anyway, um, <laughs> they, they get to create with their mind. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you, obviously like it's balanced. Like we're, we're in saying, but to, to, um, I don't want him to, I don't want my kid, for example, to just consume. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like it, it, at least be figuring out ways to be able to put back, you know, to, to create back like, you know, like don't, mm-hmm. don't just take kind of thing. So whatever. Yeah, because Jacob knows it's not real. Like I, I tell him and he knows he'll roll his eyes. But I'm like, yeah, you put how many hours into your Minecraft game? Right. Like 100, 200, 500, 1000, 2000, 5000. That's fine. But if you lose access to all electricity with all that time accumulating, what do you have? And he's like a, a long time to wait before they turn all the electricity back on and I can play my game more. But besides that, what my point is, you literally don't have anything. And and we're always giving him that. And he thinks about it, right? So he does create things in real life. He makes models and dioramas and works with other people. There's always a balance, but you know it as well as I do. We want to play the game. It's fun to play the game. It really is fun. 
So uh, yeah, thanks so much for joining us on this episode about children's video games. I admit Paul has humored me to go along with this episode because it's kind of a bit of a passion point to me because I've been raising kids for a couple of generations and kind of watching as children's games have evolved. So just for you guys to be here to humor me while I talk about it feels good. Hey, maybe you find a recommendation for your own kids, your friends' kids, your family's kids, or for your inner kids. So I'm glad you were able to stay and maybe even stay right up until this point. So if you are interested, I'm going to say it right here at the beginning. First thing you're going to do is you're going to wish list the Phantom Fellows. Okay, Sweet. that's fine. You can do it on Steve. That's the first thing. Steve, right? Steve, 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 my friend Steve does not know how to use computers. He's not wish listing anything, but he thinks the Phantom Fellows is visually pleasing and he's an artist. So this is real. Um, you can also check out our friends at the Adventure Game Hotspot Network. Um, you might even know what they're up to next. We will post it underneath this link and, or underneath the uh, link to this episode. Uh, also, totally say hi to us. We're on Twitter at CGG Podcast and at Phantom Fellows. You can find the Phantom Fellows at thephantomfellows.com. You can also vote for the Phantom Fellows to be released on GOG. There's a wish list up. So, you know, get in there, throw a number in, say a nice comment. That's always appreciated. Uh, you can join the group and talk about it. On Facebook, we're a page, we're in a group, CGG Podcast, we're on Instagram, yeah, words, CGG Podcast, and send us your words, speaking of them, email us at mail at classicgamersguild.com. And I want to thank our Patreoners because they have been supporting us right through from the beginning up until now. In particular, I want to thank our extra special thanks tier people. We've got Michael Council, who's over in Australia, really repping because the, the exchange between the Australian dollar and the American dollar is really terrible. So I... I I super duper 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 appreciate it. Uh, Brian Manown as well. Thank you. I don't know where you're saying it from because uh, it didn't convert your money, but I really appreciate that you've been supporting the show and listening uh, and everybody else who's just been on there always saying and doing nice things, helping the show go on, sending us emails. Uh, telling us the stuff they like playing along with the episodes like our friend uh, death defying, right? It's a, uh, who is Brian Manown, right? Isn't that the same guy? I was very, yeah, Jeopardy-ish, so you put that. Who is Brian Manown? <laughs> <laughs> I keep calling him out because his music is good, and he's it's supporting so the podcast, and, and there's some amazing interactions on Twitter. I mean, get out on Twitter, right? It's nobody else's now. This is the time to jump in when nobody else is looking, isn't that? Anyway, so thanks so much for uh, supporting <laughs> us on Patreon, doing all those things. Paul, make this end. Where's the fucking cat? Don't do a murder! Right, yeah. See, yeah. Now, now this can't go on Patreon. I mean, it never can, but it's fun to it point out the exact can. moment that we know it can't. <laughs> That's a oh, yeah.